That's good. Okay. Awesome. Take number two. (laughs) (laughs) You'll hear this story and you'll also be gaining knowledge when you listen to it on how to do these things. I realized that like my concern was really just what people were going to think of my decision and oh my god she's crazy what is she doing she's not you know she's supposed to be pursuing a career this is when she's supposed to be finding a job and I that doesn't appeal to me that never appealed to me. Play a major role in spreading the love and the joy and uh, reducing our imprint you know for for future generations and for all that we share this planet with. I was just embarrassed. I felt like I couldn't do it, like I'd already failed. I had no idea what I was doing. What did I get myself into? What was I thinking? Our history of humanity really revolves around great people. And that's that's all we know about. And why is that? It's because the insignificant people weren't important enough that somebody would take the time to document their life. All right, will you just introduce yourself for us? All right. Um, hello, my name is Diani Hall. I, and I guess I just got back from four months of backpacking in Southeast Asia. Which is amazing, and we're here to talk about that among a number of things today. Um, I'm really excited because, well, we were just talking about, we met like almost a year ago almost at the Women's Travel Fest in New York City, and it just got done happening this past weekend. So we met exactly a year ago, which is so crazy. And over that year, we've got to hang out out once in person. We did another podcast before you left. And now I feel like this is a good circle around because we get to do it when you are back. Yes. I need to re-listen to that one we did before because I feel like I'm so different. Yeah. I feel like I'm so different. So I want to see like what I said before I left and kind of look back and be like, oh, oh, silly Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) You know? No, that's so brave of you because sometimes I listen back to like even my earlier podcasts about traveling or about other things and I'm cringing. I'm like, why did I say that? <laughs> exactly. It definitely might be super cringeworthy, but I think it's it's a good way. I read something recently actually that said like, if you don't, it's good that you cringe at like past things you said because it means you've grown and evolved. Yeah. So if I look back and I'm like, you know, it's a little cringy. Maybe that's a good thing because I've learned some things in the past four months. Then there's no way that you couldn't have backpacking <laughs> for four months. There's no way. Um, okay, so to start, before we get into all these exciting things, I always like to ask one random question. Um, and I thought I had one question for you, but then like some of my own travel memories just sparked another one. So, is there any song? that reminds you of your travels, like that was really popular in one country while you were traveling? That is a good question. I wouldn't say a song came to mind, but it's not a song that was like super popular while I was traveling. It's a song that like I just listened to a lot while I was traveling. Okay. So it just comes to mind. It's by Halsey. She has a new album called Manic that just came out. Yeah. And 
one of her songs, um, I think it's called Beautiful Stranger, just was something that I listened to on repeat. So now when I listen to it, it reminds me of just certain memories while I was traveling. Okay. kind of nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'll put that link, I'll listen to it and I'll put the link in the bio so that people can listen to it too. Um, that's, that's interesting. I feel like sometimes when we're gone, there's a certain song that's popular in a country and it's playing again and again, or we have a comfort song that we listen to. Um, yeah, yeah, that was kind of like home. my comfort song. That was that was what that was. Okay. But there was one that I heard a lot, but it wasn't because it was like popular. It's the one Dance Monkey. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that song. I love it. It's a great song. <laughs> I I heard that a lot while I was traveling. That's um, interesting. So I guess that could be one song, maybe. Okay. All right. Maybe I can put that song in there too, just because it's a good one for people. Yeah, to look it's, up. A good, it's definitely a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good one. Um, so how are I know that I know a little bit about this because we just got to catch up a little bit. But for everyone listening, how are you feeling? First of all, being back home, because I think that's important that we talk about that. Yeah, of course. I definitely, definitely want to touch on that. Um, so I got back. What's today? Monday. I got back on Saturday, Woo! I believe. Let me make sure that's correct. Either, no, 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 wow, Friday, Friday, okay. Friday night. So, like, Saturday morning, because it was, like, past 12. So, it was, um, I got back literally, like, two days ago. So, it's Oof. very, it's all very fresh. Yeah. It's all very, <laughs> all very new. Um, yeah. and like I was telling you before, when we got to catch up a bit, it's, it's been difficult, um, to be honest. And I, um, I feel like I'm here, but I'm not here. I'm like physically here, but not mentally. And I'm, I guess still trying to process a bit, but, um, being back makes it somewhat difficult because you have all of the same things from before, so you're kind of put back into that old place, but you kind of don't fit back into that old old place anymore. You know, like there was a role you had before in everyone else's life, and you come back like trying to fit back into that place, but you feel like you don't fit in that anymore. And I guess the way I explained it to you was like, I felt the most free I had ever felt in my life and then coming back kind of felt like I was trying to step back into a cage. Um, and so it's been, it's been difficult trying to just re reassimilate and, you know, process everything and come back here and kind of start all over because I'm getting a new job and just spending some time working. So it has, it has been rough. And also because, um, not everyone around you, understands what you just experienced or how to even ask you about your experience or cares to listen about your experience so it can feel slightly invalidated when you come back and you have all these experiences and memories and things that happened that you can't share or you know that you're not sharing with people and it kind of just feels like a secret and it makes you even question like did, did that happen was that real right no that I feel like that like I said to you earlier 
like one to validate that experience and that feeling too I feel like that's totally a thing like the blues of when you come back from a trip or from anything in your life whether it's traumatic or it's like you just changed a lot or something was really intense for a period of time to me it feels so weird to come back and try to fit into the boxes that you were in before because now it's virtually impossible yes literally impossible (laughs) impossible and if you still are in those roles you've changed so much so you're handling them differently and most of us most people don't like change so I feel like that can be really hard for the people around us and then maybe that's part of why we feel invalidated because people are like no no that's not how you were before and you're like yeah exactly I had this experience but no one really knows about it this is why I'm different and they're like oh no I like the old you yeah or they just don't acknowledge because like you said people don't like change they don't acknowledge that there was a change right um and they acknowledge like maybe that you left and that you traveled but like not that you could possibly be any different or like have any different opinions or experiences that you know and so you it kind of just becomes like not acknowledged which makes it difficult for you and like like I said before you just kind of want to be validated like I spoke to you about it briefly and we you know you told me that you had felt the exact same way and just that in itself was so validating to have someone understand um what I was experiencing and had felt the same way but it's hard to get that because you know most of the people in your life aren't going away for four months or more at a time and they've never experienced that so they don't understand they don't understand it first of all and they can't relate and then it kind of just gets brushed under the rug, which makes you, you know, go a little crazy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you feel a little crazy. Yeah, I feel like especially, it's like we're talking to you fresh off of getting back, getting off the plane literally, you know, just a few yeah. days ago. And so you're, bur- I feel like at least with me, and it seems like with you, you're like bursting. You're like, all these new emotions, new people. I fell in love with these places. I did these things. And it's just like, coming through your eyes and ears and out your nose and everyone's just like this is weird it's pouring out of like every pore of your body (laughs) but you're but the thing is it feels like it's coming out of all of you but you have to kind of like put on a suit or something and like keep it inside does that make sense (laughs) you know the visual that i just got i don't have you watched spongebob before yeah, of course. Do you remember when he was like sick or he had the cough he had thing and he, he had plugged up every single hole like SpongeBob? <laughs> he plugged like put a cork in them and then he just kept getting bigger because he was trying to hold everything in. I feel like that would be a perfect example of what it feels like when you come back from traveling. That is literally exactly <laughs> how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> I only feel a bit better now because I was able to kind of talk to you and, like, let some of it out. Yeah. And I have told, you know, like, a friend who is willing to listen. and But it just feels like with most people, that's not the case. Right. How do you think, and we didn't talk about this before, but I'm just thinking about it now for the people that are around us um, that we live with or just are close to us. Um how do you think that they could ask us about our travels or experiences in general in a meaningful way? Because 
I think that, like, like when you've trip. been on a four-month trip, like, like what we're doing now, sometimes the best thing to do is to sit down and talk about it, where you know you have, like, a period of time where you can actually tell stories and get into it and be honest about it. Um, yeah, so, like, how do you think it would be better if people asked you about your trip rather than just saying, how was it? Yeah, well, first of all, that's not a good question to ask, but just, like, how was it? Like, and especially if you don't care. So yeah. if you're go- going to ask and you actually want to know how someone's experience was, that's one thing. But if you're asking just as a casualty, as a personality, as like a, it's kind of like the how are you question. It's if, and you don't actually like care to know, yeah. don't bother asking because that's going to make them feel worse that they don't actually get to um, express everything because there was a lot that happened and if you're not willing to listen don't ask um, but yeah right <laughs> just, just, just skip like just if you don't care to know just skip all that don't bother asking it's a good rule in general <laughs> yeah no in general yeah, yeah seriously that is a good rule in general but um I think for the people in your life who do care to know, I think just, like, if you guys are sitting down and, you know, having a conversation about it, be like, maybe specific questions rather than, like, um, rather than just, like, how was it? Maybe, yeah. like, what did you find most impactful? What was your favorite country? Like, what was your favorite food that you tried? Asking actual things because I think a blanket question, like, how was it? You can't sum it all up in, like, a few-sentence answer, first of all. And then if they ask a specific question, you can kind of go into more detail about how, you know, something specific impacted you. And then maybe that, like, ignites different memories that you had and you can begin to share some stories if they're, you know, if they care to listen and want to know about your experience. So I think more specific questions is always a better way to go than just, like, oh, how was it? <laughs> Isn't it like, literally, it was so many things, and I could, uh, that question doesn't even begin to, like, help me come up with an answer. Exactly. But if you if they do care, then they will make an effort to ask a more specific question, hopefully. Yeah. And then you can give actual details, and like, you, like I said, like, have your experience just feel validated and just, feel happy to share it with the people in your life that like you care about because that's part of it too it's not like I just want to come back and flaunt everything that I did because it wasn't all like rainbows and butterflies and perfect you know there's hard parts to traveling especially on a budget but um well (laughs) especially on a budget but you you just want to yeah that you just want to share with them yeah what you did and you want to tell them and you want them to know, you know, you want to share like why it was so awesome. And like, yeah. just, you know, cause like when you talk to friends about even everyday stories, when you're both home and it's not even traveling, you just want them to know, you know, right. <laughs> it's really it. and it's one of those things where you just want them to listen. It's not even about like a response or like oh that like saying something back or whatever you just want someone to listen to your experience because you want them to be updated with your life because you care about yeah them. yeah they're people in your life they're a part yeah. of your life and you want them to know what's going on right? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like everyone wants that. Yeah, and yeah, like we talked about before, I feel like it can hit especially hard when you come back from traveling um, because you can learn so much and go through so much in such a short period of time that usually we don't experience that much when we're at home stationary. Some people do, but at least I found that I learn way faster, way harder, and way more when I'm out doing things um, that scare me or that I haven't done before. And I think you made a good point for a second about, you know, how you mentioned everything's not rainbows and butterflies because I feel like traveling is definitely a really privileged thing to do, but that doesn't always mean that it's easy. Um, you know, you have to be in a certain position to be able to get a plane ticket, you know, leave the country, course, have yeah. a plan, et cetera, et cetera. But you're still learning, and I always think, like my friend tells me, it's a net benefit to us all that you're learning more and becoming a better person. You know, that's going to be better for the planet and your community and your family and your friends. Like, you're doing a service to yourself and everyone else. Um, so, yeah, I think that sometimes family and friends can shrug it off like, oh, you're sad that you're home? You've just been traveling for four months, you lucky dog. Yeah. Or yeah. like, oh, what could have possibly gone wrong? I saw your pictures sitting on the beach. But it's like, no, I was, you know, learning so much and going through this intense thing, which I'm sure you did as well. Of course, yeah. And it's, it is it is 100% a privilege that we're able to travel at all. But yeah. it's also something like, and it's also something that people if you care about traveling you make it a priority so like it for us I know because we both like budget travel I'm going out knowing that like I don't have a lot of money to do this with and mm -hmm. that it's going parts of it are going to have to be uncomfortable because of being on a budget so I told you before like you're taking 24-hour bus rides from one country to the next and it's like an insane an insane chaotic experience i don't even know how to like put in yeah. words <laughs> like yeah. border crossings on a bus is and like a 19 hour train in india that i did and just like these different things and it's like yeah i had all these amazing experiences but there's also parts of it that aren't pretty and shiny and it's also part of the experience, but yeah. I chose this, you know, I saved the money to, and made it a priority in my life so I could go and do that. And it's, it's not always gorgeous, but it's worth it. All of, right. all the parts of it, every single, every single part of it, it's totally worth it. And that also means like the pictures that you see on Instagram. Yeah. Like I'm smiling and I'm happy and it's beautiful, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that like you're happy a hundred percent of the time that you're on this trip too. Right. Like you feel emotions just like you do anywhere else in the world. <laughs> like when you're home, right. your way, you feel emotions both ways. And so there's days that you're sad and like you're, you know, when you're in a hostel and sometimes you just like don't want to leave the bed. And that happens when you're home too. Yeah. Like, there's days you just don't want to get up except here you're doing it in a 16-bed dorm room, and, like, back home, <laughs> yeah. it's your own space. But, you know, there's there's those days where you feel sad, or maybe you miss things back home, like comforts, or you're feeling, like, homesick, and that happened to me maybe once in the whole four months, and oh, wow. I, I'm not really the type to 
to get homesick at all. Um, and I did for a bit, but then it kind of passed. But there are a lot of emotions and a lot of things going on while you're traveling as well. So it isn't all just happy rainbows and butterflies. It, yeah. It's a, a whole experience of growth and learning about yourself and trying new things and doing new things and um, just experiencing, really. Yeah, and that's, I, I feel like sometimes we value work, like, in the sense, like, traditional nine-to-five work or something else over this other type of work that you've been doing, like, throwing yourself into new experiences and learning that way, because there's a ton of inner work that comes with that if you're that type of person who's going to take it on, which you are. So, to me, that type of work is just as valuable as if you would have stayed home, you know, and did what you were doing before or whatever, like, I feel like we have to acknowledge, whoa, you've done a lot of transformational work with yourself, too, which is a big deal. Yeah, and I think there's, like, for me, I believe the things that I learned while I was traveling about myself were things that I would have never been put in a position to learn while I was trapped, while I was home. Like, say I'd stayed here in New Jersey I would have never, I would have never learned these things because I would have never been put in a situation where I needed to learn these things right. about myself. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and like one of the main things, especially solo traveling, is I had to learn how to get comfortable being alone. And you do, you're constantly meeting. Sorry, excuse me. You're constantly meeting people. You're constantly with other people. And it got to a point where I was just like, okay. I just need some time to myself. Yeah. <laughs> there were other times where, like, I had gotten to a new city and I was completely alone, and you just kind of have that realization. You're like, wow, I'm halfway across the world. Um, I don't know anyone here, and I'm in a completely new surroundings, and I am I am completely alone. And that can be yeah. overwhelming. That can be really overwhelming. And learning to experience that and how to make yourself feel better while you're out there in this new environment I remember specifically that happened to me when I got to Goa because I was in Varkala India first and then I took a 19 hour train up to Goa and I was volunteering there um doing a work away with um it's called the dog temple so it's a dog shelter for like 50 plus dogs and they just take in and I was helping take care of them and I had had a really amazing experience in Barcola. Like, I got really close with these girls, and they felt like sisters, and I was there for three weeks, and it just, it, I had an amazing experience there. And then I got to this new place, and everything had changed. Like, I didn't know anyone. Yeah. I was on a, in a new place, and I couldn't really explain it to people back home, so you just felt completely isolated. And I had to just kind of sit, and I was like, okay, what am I feeling Okay, and just kind of validate my own feelings too, because there was yeah. literally no one else around you to do that for you. Right. So you have to just validate for yourself. This is what I'm feeling. This is totally normal to be feeling this. And then I found like uh, the Women Who Travel podcast. I don't know if you've listened to them, um, but they talk about it's by Condé Nast. They talk about um, the the you know the hard parts of traveling and one of them was like isolation so I remembered I had listened to that episode before and I went back and I listened to it and even though I had kind of tried to validate myself even <laughs> listening to the podcast and having them sort of like validate and like that it happened to them and they yeah. felt that loneliness you know and 
um, that like, okay, this is a thing, like this is normal, people feel this and experience this while they're traveling, and I just had to learn how to make myself, you know, feel better and put myself in a place where I was like, okay, um, why don't I just go and walk around and explore and see this new place that I'm at and get familiar with it because that can make you feel better too. Right. And trying to just trying to just learn how to make yourself feel better with your own resources when it's just you and you don't have another person around to talk to or go through the experience with when it's literally just you. Right. And even if you ha- had people around you that, say you had just met that day and you were starting to feel comfortable with, that's a lot to catch someone up on. Like, you know, I traveled from here to here, or I used to live here and now I'm feeling homesick. So I feel like that's really important that you are able to practice doing that with yourself. Yeah. It was it was one of the most important things I learned, just learning. And I like spending time alone, but when you're put in a situation where you don't want to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> you have to get comfortable being alone in those times. Like right. that's when it's that's when it's hard. Especially when you're in another country and something goes wrong. <laughs> you're just like, oh no. Like what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, like why why am I here? What am I doing? How did I think I could do this? But then you do it and then you show yourself that you can and that it's possible and it you know, makes you feel like you can do more things. It's like, oh, I, you know, I did this while I was in India. When I'm back in New Jersey, you know, things that I thought I couldn't have done before, I can do. Yeah, yeah. You kind of just draw back on that strength that you had when you had no choice but to do it. You know, right. when you're traveling, you don't have the option. No. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. It's like, I literally have to. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And then you're braver when you get home. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited to hear all the things you did. And before we get into the route that you took during your travels, can you, because I remember partly, and of course, if you went back and listened to the first episode that we did together, I know that you changed like your travel plans, everything turned out a little bit differently. So can you remind us what your plan was before you left and how that was different from what actually happened, like the route that you took and everything? Yeah, of course. Um, so originally, I was supposed to do South America, and um, with my ex-girlfriend, now best friend, we were supposed to do South America together, and I had been saving, and she hadn't, so it kind of got to a point where um, it felt like this was more my dream than hers, and I had to just decide that I was going to do it on my own, mm-hmm. and I ended up deciding to do um, Southeast Asia well, first of all, I randomly decided to do India because I found a workaway at an ashram that I wanted to do specifically. So then I kind of just planned the rest of my trip around that. So I ended up going from um, India to Thailand to Vietnam to Laos. Okay. And it kind of just happened organically. Like I knew I wanted to go to India and then I figured, you know, uh, Thailand and all the rest were kind of close. So then I just go that way. And, yeah, that's really just how it happened. Okay. Yeah, that's very different than your original plan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure it could be just as magical. Um, And also, 
can you tell us if you feel comfortable how much you saved up for this trip? Because like, I feel like when people are listening to things or researching or getting ready to travel, sometimes that helps to hear what someone else's budget was. Yeah. So I had saved $3,000. Okay. And, um, I also had about 200 left from like one of the last shifts I had worked, um, before leaving. So I guess like $3,200 is what I had. And um, it worked out fairly well because when I was in India, I was doing the ashram and then I was doing the other work away. So my accommodations were completely covered the entire time I was in India. And then at the ashram, we also got two free meals a day, breakfast and lunch. So a lot of the time while I was in Barkala, for the first three weeks, I could go without spending any money. Yeah. Like, unless, you know, if you wanted to just kind of, like, venture around the town and the area and go to the beach, and, like, I was spending a lot of time at the ashram because it was a very, like, spiritual experience. Um, so I didn't spend a lot of money, and the whole time I was in India, I think I spent a total of 200 U.S. dollars, like, the whole month and a half I was there. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, also, India is extremely cheap, so that was beneficial, but, um, but yeah, I ended up not spending much, so the $3,000 was just for mainly Thailand, Vietnam, and Laos. Okay. Um, and, yeah, so that's how much I had. Did that include, did you get, did that include your plane ticket, or did you get that ahead of time? Oh, okay. My plane ticket, I booked ahead of time okay so that did not include my plane ticket and my plane ticket from the u.s to india if i can remember was maybe 600 something okay oh wow. I, I think yeah i think it was something like that okay. it was a bit pricey <laughs> yeah yeah no it's always interesting to me especially well i'm currently thinking of where i'm gonna travel next but i always like hearing what budget people have because I'm like I could do that or I couldn't do that or I could do it a little bit differently (laughs) I think honestly I I think 3,000 was a good number and I probably could have even done longer Mm -hmm. on that amount of money Um, but I by the time I'd gotten to Thailand I only did one other work away when I was in Pai um, at another dog Mm -hmm. Uh, shelter called Pete's Mission for two weeks and but besides that I just did hostels and my original plan was to do more workaways but then I had ended up like meeting people so I met someone in Thailand that I really wanted to travel with and so we did Vietnam together for a month and he oh. didn't do he you know we weren't going to do workaways and stuff because we were traveling through Vietnam really quickly so we were staying in hostels and Airbnbs and things like that um, which means I spent more money than I had originally intended. So okay. if I had maybe stuck a little bit closer to like my original plan of doing more workaways and say I did one in Vietnam and I did one in Laos, I probably could have done an extra month of travel. Okay. Um, but, but I'm still, you know, it happened the way it happened and I'm, I'm grateful that it did because, you know, I met the people that I did and it worked out that way for oh, a reason. Yeah. So it's okay. Yeah, and I think an important part of travel is having the flexibility that maybe it's not going to go as planned, and maybe that's better in the long run. Yeah, of course. I I mean, from now on, I probably wouldn't 
plan so rigidly. Before I left, I was trying to plan as much of the details as possible. And I just, I realized once I was away that it's so easy to just plan as you go. But just, I was in one country, like, deciding which country I wanted to go to next. And, like, when's the next bus? And I can get on a bus in two days. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot easier than you think to just plan as you go <laughs> than, like, than having to have it all figured out beforehand. And I think that's one of the yeah. things that, like, stops people from doing it is they feel like they have to, like, have it, have things all figured out before you go. It's like, no, pick a place, like, buy the plane ticket, have a, book, like, two nights at a, at a hostel, and then go from there because you're going to meet a bunch of other people who are literally doing the same thing, unplanned, figuring out as they go. And that's part of the freedom and experiencing of it is just, going with the flow and seeing me mm. and oh you guys are going there like okay like I'll go with you or you know things like that and it just yeah. happens organically yeah even people like meeting the people or getting recommendations for things to do yes. or your interest Definitely. changes I mean Definitely. that's a huge part of backpacking I feel like that's a backpacking culture and I do yeah. think it would be helpful for people to know before their first backpacking trip, just figure it out as you go. Because if you try to do it ahead of time, you're going to be stressed. And then when you get there and you want to change your plans, you're going to be stressed. <laughs> yeah. What do you yeah, mean? These awesome people. Like, oh, we booked like, you know, we booked four nights here and then they got there and they like met people and wanted to go to a different place. And it's like, sometimes planning too far ahead can be more of a detriment and it makes you feel better before you leave because you feel like the more security you have with what you have planned yeah. like the better but you gotta just sometimes you gotta just go <laughs> you just gotta roll with it you gotta just go and just figure it out as you go yes will you tell us I'm actually like really interested on what living at the ashram is like in India and what what you did with your time there. Of course. Um, so that was the first place I went um, at the beginning of my trip. And it was an all-female ashram. And there was maybe, I got there, like 10, 10 to 12 girls total okay. um, around my age from like as young as 18, 19 to like 30 so it was kind of a nice little community of, like, girls all the same age. Um, and I had chosen that because I wanted to kind of dive deeper into my own spirituality. And I'm really big on meditating. And so it was a good space for me to um, kind of work on myself. You know, it was a good environment. Yeah. There was, like, you know, no drinking, no sex and like all the things so it was really meant to just be focused on you and so we wake up every morning at 5 a.m and we do <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know um we wake up every morning at 5 a.m and we have an hour meditation every morning and before leaving, I had never meditated for an hour, maybe like 20 minutes, 30 minutes tops. But yeah. we'd meditate for an hour every morning, and then we'd do an hour and a half of yoga. Mm -hmm. um, and then after, because it was a work away, we all kind of had our own responsibilities, and we had like quiet hours of when you're not supposed to talk, and it's supposed to be more reflective. And um, I was doing, my duties were more... Um, 
cooking, cleaning, basically. So, like, in the morning after that, I'd make breakfast for all the girls and then, like, clean up all the dishes after and then you clean whatever, like, needed to be cleaned throughout the house, whether it was, like, laundry and sweeping and whatever. So then you do your five hours of, um, five hours of working and then you had your own personal, like, free time after. But then we also did, um, different things. So there was a shaman that came in and he was there for maybe a week or two and they did a few like ayahuasca ceremonies that like I didn't part I didn't participate in because I just felt like it at the time it wasn't calling to me it didn't feel like that's what I need to be doing but they did they had like two ayahuasca ceremonies and um she also the woman who ran the ashram she also did a like female empowerment workshop and just learning different things um about myself and my experience, I learned about um, how to set boundaries with people and, like, people-pleasing tendencies and codependency and, like, yeah. putting yourself first. And just, it was just a, a really self-exploration time for me, I guess. Yeah. Like a, and just, like, fully focusing on yourself. And it was, it was really an amazing experience, especially meeting a lot of girls who were super like-minded and in the same kind of space and area that I was in mentally and connecting with them and um, really getting really, really close with other women. And it was a, it was a really good experience. I loved it there. Whoa, that sounds, I don't know what I was picturing in my head, but that sounds way bigger than anything I was picturing. (laughs) (laughs) Like that sounds, yeah, it sounds way different. It also sounds a little bit challenging, but especially like the waking up at five. And like you said, I've never been able to meditate more than like 30 minutes. So to do that every day, I feel like would be a big challenge, but it also sounds like it would have some really big benefits. Um, Yeah. Is this shaved your head too? Frustrating. Yes, that is where I shaved my head. Um, and and uh, about the meditation for an hour, it was really frustrating in the beginning, just because I had never done it for that long, and I spent a lot of time talking to the shaman and like learning how to allow yourself to just like not get frustrated with yourself and be okay yeah. with whatever's happening in that moment. Of like, yeah, your brain's going crazy. Like, okay, like accept that. Don't get frustrated with yourself so it was just a lot of learning and but it was awesome and yes that is also where I shaved my head um it was do you want me to like explain why yeah that's so interesting (laughs) and pretty rad thanks okay so um I had wanted to for a while that was definitely something I knew I wanted to do at some point in my life but it was never anything I had done I guess I just hadn't worked up the courage and whatever um and while I was there Elena, one of the other girls, had gotten lice, and she had dreadlocks. Um, So that obviously isn't something easy to get out and deal with when you have dreads. So she was trying to use a bunch of different shampoos or whatever to have it taken care of, but nothing was really working. And she really didn't want to shave her head, but I had kind of told her, I was like, look, if you do it, I will do it with you because I had wanted to anyway and it was kind of um a way to hold myself accountable yeah. and she she you know some a way to kind of help her and make her feel better too because she didn't want to do it 
Um, so one day, I don't know where I was. I had come back and I came back that night and I come into the ashram and she did it. She was bald. And I was like, oh my God. And she looked so beautiful, like glowing. She was already a stunning girl. Yeah. But she had like these gorgeous blue eyes and they were piercing and she was just so, so beautiful. And so that same night, I had I, I was like okay you did it now I, I promise you like I will do it as well and um, the video there's a video on my Instagram you can see if you want but I was standing in front of the mirror and I had this razor in my hand and it only had one setting so it was like really really short like I was basically bald I had no hair nothing and I didn't know I guess I expected to like cry or be super emotional because there's always a lot attached to your hair when you're you know as a woman there's just a lot of emotion attached to your yeah. hair and I just you know I, I took it all off and I had a few other girls around me and they were super like you know uh, it just felt like empowering and amazing and um after I had done it though it was kind of like a, the next day I was like what in the hell did I just do <laughs> what did I do and I was honestly really self-conscious for the first um for the first bit of time for the first few days and because I'd never first of all I'd never seen myself that way and I was really worried about other what other people would think mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that I kind of had to work through with not having hair it's just like it's not about them or what they think or even if they do have opinions it doesn't really matter because their opinions are theirs this is what I wanted to do this is my head this is my body and just kind of re taking not I don't know if you would say taking control but like just kind of re-owning yeah you know like re-owning your body and that you can do whatever you want with it and it's yours to shave or have long hair down to your feet or have no hair at all or like do you know whatever you want with and so after a few days of just kind of embracing it I remember just looking in the mirror one day and I was like I feel beautiful and it was really surprising for me because my hair had always been my symbol of beauty like I have really I used to have really really big curly hair and it was always why I felt beautiful and it was always yeah. the compliments I got it was always surrounded around my hair and it I just wanted to feel beautiful because I felt beautiful not because I had this gorgeous curly hair you know right and um and I did I was able to kind of look at myself in the mirror bald and everything and feel beautiful and like see my face not surrounded by hair and see this version of myself that was just me and was like so naked you know so so naked and raw and and learn to love that version of myself and that's a a different thing the whole self-love because that's not something I've mastered by just shaving my head right Um, but it's kind of allowed me to just see a different version of myself and learn to love the different parts of me and not just, you know, the part that's expected to look feminine and beautiful. Right. So, yeah. That's <laughs> amazing. 
amazing. I'm so glad that we, we veered off into that for a second because I remember <laughs> watching you do that on, like you posted that video to Instagram, which I'll also put a link in the bio so people can watch it if they want to. And I was like, yes, because I know that it's super hard. And like, I feel like for myself when I did it, I was like, oh, this this will be a good challenge to self-love. I'll love myself after this because it's going to be challenging and big and a change. But it's just a baby step there. It is. And it's so challenging and you don't think it's going to be. So I'm so glad you touched on that and, like, how that made you feel and just yeah. some of the reflections that you had doing that. Yeah. It doesn't fix everything. You think, like you yeah. said, I know you, you've done it too, where you yeah. think, like, Oh, I'm gonna love myself after this. Right. Like, you know, it's it's even harder, first of all. And it's you really have to learn it's like loving yourself, you know, not like what you look like. Like loving right. you. It's it's a challenge. It's it's a daily challenge still, but Yeah. Worth it. Well that's awesome. Um oh, okay, so we, we talked about India and then after that you went to Thailand and what did you do there? So, Thailand, I was in Chiang Mai and Pai, so I only went to the north. I didn't really do much of the south because, I don't know, I, I know Thailand kind of has a bit of a reputation for being a lot of party culture and things like that, depending on where you are, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, I didn't really go to any of the islands because it was also sort of out of the way, and I knew I wanted to do the north, and I didn't want to go all the way south and then north and... Um, so I just did Chiang Mai and Pai, and um, I, I loved it there. I did the work away there for two weeks in Pai, and I was only in Thailand for a month, so I did two weeks in Chiang Mai and two weeks in Pai, which is a little bit longer in one place than I did anywhere else, okay. but totally worth it because I really got to know a lot of people that I was with and create like a little family and... Yeah. Um, explore the area more and I just really 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 enjoyed my time there it kind of like felt it was a little bit slower and more relaxed and I just got comfortable and I knew the area well and yeah. I fell in love with too it's oh. just it's a beautiful place <laughs> it's a beautiful place and it's easy to get stuck there and it's yeah it's got all the vegan and vegetarian food you could wish for uh -huh. it's just beautiful it's got like Pie Canyon was one of my favorite places to go and watch the sunset, and yeah. I would go running every day when I was at yes. the dog shelter, and you just, like, you have all that, you're surrounded by beautiful mountains and all of these things while you're running through, and it's just, like, stunning, and it's a really beautiful place, and I, Thailand was more, for me, it was beautiful, and I, I loved it there, but it was more for me the people that I met while I was in Pai, yeah. and was I was in Thailand as, as a whole, Chiang Mai and Pai. That was super um, impactful for me. And then um, after Thailand, I flew to Vietnam, which, like I had said, wasn't really a part of my plan. I was going to go, like, from bus through into Laos okay. and then into Vietnam after. Um, but it just, you know, it worked out differently. And so I flew from Chiang Mai to Ho Chi Minh in Vietnam, and then I did Vietnam from south to north so okay. from Ho Chi Minh we uh, there's so many cities that I hit along the way um did you do that by bus um I did it half by bus half by motorbike 
So there were certain parts, yeah, there were certain parts that I did on a motorbike, and my friend Drew drove, because I didn't drive a motorbike at the time, Yeah, and so he drove, which was, which was nice, because then I got to just, like, see the view and the scenery, but yeah. parts of it we did, um, we did, like, the Highland Pass, and another section, I can't remember the name, um, that was beautiful, you're, like, driving through mountains, and one part of it, it's, like, the mountains on one side, and then the ocean on the other, and you're, like, driving through the middle of it, like, on the side of the mountain, and it's just, it's really beautiful, Vietnam was definitely, like, one of my, my favorite place that I'd been, just because I felt like there's so much, um, it's very original, I found it to be different from Laos and Thailand, and I had a lot of culture, and just this culture of everything being, like, outside on the sidewalk, like, that, that's what I loved, like, everyone, there's all these little street foods and little stalls, but everyone eats outside on the sidewalk. Like, where you're supposed to be walking, there are literal little restaurants set up with just, like, little plastic chairs, and everyone's just outside. And I just, I, I don't know, I really love that. And it's super chaotic. Like, Ho Chi Minh was intense and chaotic and, like, this organized chaos and insane. And I, I really, I really loved it. And then going north, um, I think the last, I went to um Hanoi, and then from Hanoi, I went up to Haizhong, and I did the infamous Haizhong loop, um, which is like a three to five day motorbike loop, and that was really, really incredible. It was so cold, so cold. (laughs) Cold on a motorbike. Freezing. Oh my God, it was so cold. Um, Were you not expecting that? No, a lot of people had said it was going to be cold. So when I was in Hanoi, I really tried to prepare. So I got, like, gloves and a hat, and I already had jeans, and I bought, like, a sweatshirt and a North Face jacket, and I like I got all the extra warm clothes things. And I'm really grateful that I did because even with all of the layers I had on, it was still freezing. Um, so I would not recommend doing it in – when was I there? January. In January. Don't do it in January. Don't, don't do that in January. Do it when it's um, warmer. Yeah, do it when it's warmer because it was so cold. But it was really beautiful. And just being up in the mountains and seeing, like, these little villages of them, people wearing, like, traditional clothing and the way that they lived and all the children running up and, like, waving at you and little kids, like, running around with sweatshirts and no pants on playing outside <laughs> in the mud and, like, all, you got to just really see things. Um, right. One of the things that I found, like, the most beautiful was the women. Mm-hmm. And you see them up in these villages, and they do everything. It's like you see them outside working on the farm, on the ground, and they have a baby strapped to their stomach or their back, you know? Yeah. And they're walking with, like, these big bundles of, I don't even know what it was. It was like leaves or something, but they were collecting something and it was all strapped to their back and it's like huge, huge bundles and they're walking long distances up and down mountains and just you see like how hard and intense their lives are and Mm -hmm. how much they're doing and there's girls like eight or nine years old with babies strapped to their back, you know, like carrying their younger siblings and just the, just the strength, I think that's really was of, these women and seeing you know what their lives are like and what they're doing and it's it's so quiet because no one really sees it because it's up in the mountains of Vietnam but like I I saw it and I acknowledged it and I like felt for them like it kind of like a 
I see you, I see your strength, I see, like, you know, everything that you're doing, and um, that was really, that was really powerful for me, and um, just the whole experience, just seeing, you know, the way they live, and everything, it was, it was really beautiful, that was one of my favorite things that I've done. Oh, wow. Uh, Were you doing this, so did you do this with someone you met in Thailand, and then you traveled together? Okay. Yeah, and we traveled together in Vietnam Okay, uh, for a month, yeah, and um, so also from Haizhong after the loop, I was supposed to go up to like Sapa and um, there's apparently like beautiful rice paddy fields and a lot of like trekking and stuff you can do there, but unfortunately because the weather was so bad when I was there, I wasn't able to get to do that part of it, and I ended up just going back down to Hanoi for a few days before heading out to um, Laos, just because it was really, it was really rainy and cold, and you can't really see anything, it was super foggy, so I wasn't able to do that. So I have a reason now to go back to Vietnam. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) And do that part of it as well. Okay, so you, um, so when you were in Vietnam, were you also staying in hostels then? Yeah, um, hostels and some Airbnbs, guest houses, like things like that. Okay, even when you were doing that, I I forget what it's called already, but when you were doing that loop on the motorbike, were you just like finding a place when you got there at night or did you plan it ahead of time? Um, well, when the hostel we had stayed at in Haizhong, the first one, before we had started the actual loop, they give you kind of like recommendations of homestays um, to stay at along the way. So we kind of just used those. And then, or like once we got there, we went to ones in the area and found ones that we want to do or want to stay at pretty much. So that's kind of how we've tackled that but they usually gave you like recommendations of where to go and we usually did that okay oh no yeah that's really good to know it's interesting the more I think about traveling outside the U.S. I feel like there's hostels everywhere and there's all these things and then inside the U.S. I like almost never see hostels except in big cities so I think it's hard for people to imagine because it would be a really awesome way to, for oh. me to be able to like travel the U.S. I know there's some, but it's not like as popular as it is in other other places. Definitely. No, that's I. I feel like someone might be thinking of that when they're listening to you talk. Like, well, where the heck would you stay at night? Well, in other countries, there's a thing called hostels <laughs> that they're doing. Yeah, right. and homestays, homestays, and like guest houses are really popular. I did a few of those. It's it's just like someone's home it's not like in their home they kind of have like different floors or something and you are staying with a family basically that runs it oh wow um, which is actually really cool and a lot of times there's like the language barrier and you figure out but they're always super hospitable like um when I was in Ninbin it was the Tet holiday so it was like their new year so everything was kind of shut down for like a few days and they had a really big um like breakfast that they did for everyone that was at the homestay and it was like this big spread and they made all this food and they were drinking like that the rice wine Mm -hmm. and everyone's like sitting around and um eating and stuff and it was a really cool experience um and just like they had their family there and it was the mother and the father and this like 
kid, but they also had the grandma was there, and like there's an uncle and an aunt and other little cousins, and you're like, they're super, super sweet and friendly people, and it was it was a really awesome experience. Oh, that's so nice. That's something that you wouldn't get if you had stayed at a hotel or you know, yeah, something exactly. a little fancier. Yeah, anytime that I'd had like there was I think three different occasions where I'd eaten meals with locals and you're sitting with people like locals and that was always the most memorable experiences for me because it's the most authentic you know and even if you yeah. guys don't really speak the same language you're there <laughs> at the same table sharing the same space like together right and that that was just what was really cool and they're always super hospitable and like friendly and really amazing so it's those are always the most memorable experiences for me Oh, that's so great now did you find those because that's new to me the homestays is that on an app that people could find or how do you find like how do you set those up um homestays you can maybe find on like homestays and guest houses you can probably find on like booking.com it probably won't really be on like hostel world um but you can definitely find them on like booking.com and then sometimes it's just based off of like recommendations that people give you too so like oh we stayed at this homestay and then you go and find it because someone recommended it to you um so you can definitely find them on booking but it's also just sometimes you find them when you're there you run into them in person okay that's yeah that's good to know um i'm already like so excited about your trip i feel like you (laughs) did so much so where did you, you went to Lao after that Yes, so the last place I was in was Laos, and I did Laos. I took a bus from um, Hanoi to uh, Vientiane, which is the capital of Laos, and then I went south. It it was a little tricky because usually you do a country either like north to south or south to north or whatever, and that way it's easier and you can just kind of keep going. Um, But because Vientiane's kind of like in the middle, I had to decide whether I was going to go north or south, and so I ended up going south first, and then after going south, I went back up and did north, Um, and Laos was really, it was, it was beautiful, and I, I enjoyed it, and, you know, I think it's very based on your own opinion and your own experience, because my favorite country isn't going to be your favorite country, and your favorite country isn't going to be my favorite country, and, you know, it's just based on you know, what you prefer, because I've met people who fell in love with Laos, but didn't like Vietnam as much, and I'm the opposite, like, I fell in love with Vietnam, and I liked Laos, but it just wasn't also my favorite, yeah. but there were parts of it that were incredible and beautiful, like, I was in Tikek, and it was another motorbike loop that I did with a group of people who we were really close, it was, like, a nice little family, it was lovely, mm. and um, it was, like, a three-day loop, and you're doing all these, like, gorgeous 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 caves and waterfalls and a lot of like limestone just big rocks and cliffs that you're seeing while you're driving and it was really really beautiful like that was one of also one of my favorite experiences and that one I actually drove myself super super proud I learned how to drive so that I could do that one um and it went well. I only had one mishap on the last day. Oh, my gosh. That. Do you want to tell, tell us about that? Um, it was really just, it, I was on the way back to, I was so close to making it without any incidents. But um, 
there's a few bridges that we had to cross and the bridges aren't like bridges in the u.s or (laughs) another country it's kind of just like wooden planks and it was had a lot of holes and pieces missing and so i was trying to like navigate around a hole and i ended up accelerating instead (gasps) of yeah instead of (laughs) instead of braking and the bike kind of like and I went with it and completely came off um, and fell really hard and I had like some you know scratches and bruises or whatever and it was the next day I was like oh my goodness like my back was sore and my neck yes. was sore but I was really grateful because the bike like didn't land on me and I, I could have like broken something but the bike had some damage to it but like I was I was okay and everything was fine and I actually had to like get back on the bike and drive for another few hours after that. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was, I was okay. And it was part of the experience, you know, I, I was fine. Um, but I'm really glad that I did drive because it was, it was a really, really beautiful like to catch. I would definitely recommend if you're in Laos doing that loop because just the waterfalls and the, the caves are like nothing I've ever seen. really gorgeous did you take time to stop and explore things that you wanted to do even though you were with a group yeah so we kind of all talked and like decided on what we wanted to stop and do and like what you know wasn't worth stopping and before we left we were staying at a hostel and they kind of gave us like a map of the whole thing and told us you know this is what like we recommend whatever so we kind of just decided as a whole and actually for the first two days we were all together but then the last day me and one of the guys um you know went off on our separate way because we didn't want to do something that the rest of them were doing Mm. so you know you kind of have to change your plans it doesn't have to be exactly like everyone else but um so that last day like it was me and him that did this one huge cave and it's like you take this little tiny boat and it's super thin and it's pitch black inside Caitlin and you, it takes like an hour to go through but it was oh my like God. nothing I'd ever seen before I can't uh, Kunglor Cave maybe I can't remember the name that might be it but you go through this massive massive cave and you see it from the outside and it just looks like a big like looks like a big uh, mountain it just looks like a yeah. huge mountain but it's just empty on the inside so you can go through it and you have headlamps and all you can oh see is God. like what you point the headlamp at it was kind of scary because it's literally pit black but it's it was a really incredible experience so like that was one of the things we did ourselves and the rest of them they went to do a what's it called zip lining okay which was which you know we wanted to do different things whatever um yeah so the Tekek loop beautiful cave it was, it was amazing that sounds so intense a because at first when you said that i was like oh you must have had a guide with you and then i realized you didn't no. have a guide no <laughs> and b i'm terrified of the dark because i will make things up that i see and they won't actually be there or they will i don't know so that sounds to me like you had to be so brave for an hour to sit in a boat yeah. and go through a yeah, dark Yeah, it's this like little tiny boat and it's it's kind of terrifying because you're on the water and the water's kind of shallow, but it's like black. So you can't yeah. see anything in the water. So one of the first fears I had was like, oh my God, there's something in the water. What if I fall off the boat? Then it's going to eat me. Yeah. <laughs> no. Can't see anything, and you're deep in the cave. So another thing was just like 
claustrophobia a little bit because yes. you're really far in there. And one of the things I had to work through was just like talking myself off the ledge sort of where right. I'm able to kind of like relax and be like, okay, there's, a, there's another person, there's two other people in here with me. First of all, I'm not alone. Second of all, like, you wouldn't want to pass up on this experience. It's totally worth it. Right. Third of all, like, you're going to be fine. Relax. Other people have done this. You're not the only, you're not the first person to do it. You're not yeah. the last. Like, and just kind of talk yourself through it. But you, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's scary, but it's worth doing. So you have to push yourself outside of your comfort zone a bit to, to do it. Right, right. That is, I think that's incredible. I know different people have different fears, but to me, I'm like, wow, you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome that you did that. Um, so did you end your trip shortly after that? Was that one of the last things that you did? Um, well, that was in the beginning of February, I guess you could say. And then... I ended my trip um, March fifth, so it was in it was in the last country I was in. It was like a few weeks before I'd ended. Yeah. Okay. And um, then I went up to north of Laos, and I went to Van Vieng and Luang Prabang, and then up even more north to Nankiao, where I did a three day trekking um, through these like small villages up north, and that was intense because it was like five days of hiking, like, intense up and down hiking, but you're literally in the jungle, so it was beautiful, so beautiful, and you hear all the noises of, like, a jungle, and it was, that was really, that was with a guide, we were, like, with a group, um, and it was a really incredible experience, like, that was amazing, um, just because you got to, you went to, like, a village, and it was, like, a little, it was, like, a small, village and you got to see we were sitting like up in the kitchen like helping cook a bit sometimes and you see how it's 2020 and there's still places in the world where they're using like a little fire with like a a steel pot on it and yeah you know like there's no stove there's no oven there's no it's all like real real rugged yeah um and you see how things are, like, actually done and how they still cook this way and live this way and, you know, all the things. Um, and seeing the little children run around and one of the guys in our group, like, got along with these two boys and they don't even speak the same language, but seeing the kids giggle and them playing games and he was, like, a big guy, so he'd lift them up and spin them around and they're, yeah. like, laughing and loving it. And um, that's, like, always one of the most incredible things for me is even with a language barrier and still being able to enjoy each other's company really right. um, is, is one of the most amazing things to me. So that was really cool. We did trekking for three days and it's, it's amazing, but it's also hard because you're getting to these villages and obviously a lot of the time that you're traveling, there's not hot water anywhere, yeah. but there's also like, not showers here so it's like yeah. you're it's outside with like a spout and it's like on the side of the house sort of yeah. <laughs> like a spout coming out. or you're using like a bucket and there's like a big thing of water and you're using a bucket and just like dumping it on yourself and yes. you know, things like that so it's really fun and amazing but you know you're getting a a real experience right <laughs> 
and like you're wearing the same dirty sweaty clothes for like three days because you can only take a little backpack so you can't bring a bunch of stuff and um but it's worth every second of it I think like just being uncomfortable and getting outside of your comfort zone and it's totally worth totally worth the discomfort you you grow from that experience and learn so much and just get to experience things you know yeah that you wouldn't usually experience back home or anywhere else yeah I feel like we're so these days in our social media world like in the computer world and all these things but that's completely opposite that's out like in the real world in for us or for you or for different people in a situation that they usually wouldn't be in or they usually wouldn't be exposed to because that's not the same lifestyle or different privilege levels or whatever that is. But it's just like that is like in it, not like in our phones, like in the yeah. mountain. No, and you don't have Wi-Fi for three days, obviously, because you're like up in the mountains. So um, these little villages aren't going to have right. Wi-Fi. <laughs> like, right. We brought our phones because we could take pictures and stuff. And like you're barely able to charge your phone, let alone like connect to Wi-Fi. But I think that makes it even better because you're oh, able yeah. to just be fully like immersed. Like you said, you're not in, you're not trying to like have that experience and then oh, okay, let me get Wi-Fi and, like, post about it. Like, no, just experience, and then later on when you're back, you can have the pictures and posts and tell people about it after, but just, like, be there while it's happening. Right, right. Yeah, that's 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 incredible. Um, I'm, like, so excited for you because I know those moments that you mean, and they're just so special, especially when you look back on them later. Um, but that leads me to another question for you because I remember the last first and last episode that we did together I think I called it like debunking fear mess up and post it anyway because we talked about that a lot how yeah bloggers or travel bloggers things look really perfect sometimes um and yeah I've also noticed recently and I also think it's a thing you really can't win on the internet if you post the hard parts you're complaining you're ungrateful you are looking for attention, but then if you post the good parts, um, you're, like, showing off, everything was perfect, so either way, it's like you can't win. Do you feel like your experience with social media while you were traveling, do you feel like you messed up and posted it anyway? Do you feel like you shared um, what you wanted to share or were able to share what you were trying to say? Like, how did that whole experience feel? Yeah, um, well, with with whatever Instagram posts I was putting up, my captions, I always tried to, like, make it about what I was learning or, like, what valuable experience I was having and be as, you know, authentic as possible in what I was writing about my experience. Yeah. So I always tried to share. And even if, like, my actual Instagram post wasn't, about, you know, the rough parts, I would still, even on my Instagram story, I remember posting things about being, like, on the sleeper bus for that long, and, like, the rough, the, you know, showing, like, yeah. the rough parts of it, and, but with, I think with posting on my Instagram, I'm really happy with, um, with what I posted, and just the captions, and being able to, you know, share what I've learned, and grown, and things I've experienced, and how it was for me, um, and, when it came to, like, my blog, I didn't write as much as I had hoped yeah. while I was traveling. I had posted two, and right now I'm, like, in the process of 
completing and posting another one and I want to write one about like readjusting back home too that I want to put up soon but the two that I did write were about like the most real parts of traveling so like when I first got into India I had a hard time adjusting when I first got there like I felt so far away from home and I was I just had all the feelings like I remember the first day I got there I was just crying and I met all the girls and I remember going up to my my not even my room because we literally it was a big hall basically and it had a bunch of mattresses on the floor and you had your own little mattress with your like mosquito net and your own space so I can't even say I went up to my room I went up to my bed and I laid there and I was so emotional and I don't even remember why but I was just crying yeah and um I was having such a hard time that first day. And then, like, the second day, I was talking to all the other girls. And after that, I was just, I was okay. But that very first day, I had a really hard time. And so I kind of wrote about that specifically, about how, like, getting there and adjusting, you know, and just being easy with yourself and being patient with yourself and accepting, you know, how you're feeling. And it's okay to be sad because you're in a new place and this is a lot to take in, you know, it's a big, especially if it's your first like solo trip abroad, like mine was like, you can't be hard on yourself in a situation like that. You have to learn how to be patient with yourself. And sometimes you just want to like lay down and do nothing. And yes, you're in a new place, but you don't always have to be constantly exploring And so that was, like, one of the first posts I wrote about, which felt really, you know, personal and real. And then the other one was about me shaving my head. So that was another, you know, and we touched on that already. But that was already, like, a really authentic and, you know, this was my experience. This is why I did this. And I, so I always wanted everything that I shared to try and be as, you know, as real, as real as possible. Right. To give a a good reflection of what's actually happening. Right. Right. Yeah. It's been fun looking at your Instagram posts and reading the caption and just even watching your stories. Like as you were saying that, I remember when you were on a sleeper bus, I think I saw that on your Instagram story and there were so many people and so much stuff. (laughs) And I was Oh my goodness. That was insane. Someone else's bus had broken down and they had to, everyone, and obviously have no idea what's going on because they're speaking a different language. Yeah. So everyone from that bus had to get on our bus. So our bus was packed with people and there was already a lot of people and I was like starting to feel claustrophobic because you couldn't just easily get off the bus if you needed to. Right. Like we're all the way in the back and then there's all of these people in the middle and I was feeling super claustrophobic. Our bus had broken down twice the second time I ended up getting off my butt the bus and hitchhiking with two other people to get to the city we were trying to get to because we were still an hour away but we had just been on that bus for so long and it was such a terrible drive that we're like fuck it like we're just taking another (laughs) and and another bus had ended up picking us up and it worked out fine but yeah like showing those parts of it because it's it's the real stuff. Like, that's the things that actually, you know, that yeah. actually happen. The, those are the things that make up the trip and that makes them interesting when you get home. <laughs> exactly. And when you oh, it's like, well, I hitchhiked for the first time when I was in Laos. Like, what? Right. You right. know, like, the, those are the experiences you, you know, tell people about. Yeah, no, that's why I'm so glad that we're doing this and, like, actually have the time to get into the trip and what actually happened besides just 
all the good parts and all the parts, you know, that um, we're easily able to see. Do you, is there anything that sticks out in your mind, like any stories that you have or any really difficult or exciting moments that, you know, we talked about, like, it's really nice to share with someone. Is there anything else you feel like you want to share about your trip? Um, let me think. There's, there's so much. And right now it's like the whole, I'm kind of just seeing the whole thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. Specifically, I think just the times, there was one day that was a really good day. We had, um, it was a group of us and we went to, um, this waterfall in Chiang Mai. It was called like the Sticky Waterfalls. And it was really cool because you could like climb up and down them and it was beautiful. And then on the way back, we were all on motorbikes and we were like super hungry. So we wanted to stop at this restaurant and we thought it was a restaurant because there was a bunch of people eating outside, but they were like playing music and it was really loud. And we didn't know if it was a restaurant or not. So we stopped and it turned out to be like some sort of party. And I don't know if it was like, we still don't know if it was a family party or like what, whatever kind of party, but it was so funny because they just completely, well, like we had completely clashed, crashed their party of whatever sort. And they just welcomed us with open arms and they like, they pulled out chairs for us to sit down and like started pouring us drinks and beers and sharing food with us. And they were like, there was a few of them that spoke some broken English and just trying to communicate. And I just remember like sitting there and being in this moment and just fully taking it in and realizing like, this is one of the things that's going to stand out to me. Like in the future, this is going to be one of the times that I really remember. And it just things, those times when it just happens, Organically. So organic, organically, yeah, where you just happen to show up at a random family time party <laughs> and, you know, everyone's super cool and welcoming and you're drinking beers with, you know, locals and they're trying to ask you, like, where you're from and all these things and you're trying to communicate and that was, like, one thing that really, that was one time that really stood out to me that was really fun and, yeah, um, yeah. That's magical. I'm like playing this scenario in my head and that's so cool. (laughs) It was so random. And then they're all like, we got up and danced and they wanted to dance with us to the music. And it's just, it was super just freeing. Yeah. You know, freeing to just be in the moment and experience that and enjoy it and yeah yeah it was, it was amazing and I feel like that doesn't happen that I feel like that wouldn't happen in our culture that much so no, like if someone, that charity. <laughs> if someone showed up to your family party you everyone would be like who are you like yeah please like, leave what are you doing here but that's the thing it's so different there because it's just really warm and welcoming like I don't think I had an experience where I felt like I was treated badly by locals right ever if everyone's just warm and welcoming and it is I mean you there's nice people here in the U.S. obviously yeah you know? they're like you you have you know warm welcoming people it's just it's not that kind of culture right that's the that's the difference like it's not just completely open arms all the time like we don't have that here like it yeah. is over there no, I, th- I think that's one of my favorite parts of travel is that when I do experience that, even if it's in another country, another culture, it like unlocks or taps into part of me that I don't get to experience at home. And I'm like, 
Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like I'm like this, but in our culture, it's not acceptable. Or I really, really love this about people, but I am not... Like, I forget that people do this because it's just not part of our, our yeah. culture. So I'm so glad you shared that story. <laughs> of course, yeah. And it's it's funny because you share these stories and you tell the experience and it, it's, it sounds really cool, but then, like, me telling it, I'm smiling right now, just, like, yeah. remembering what actually happened and actually being there and... Um, that's also another thing, like my biggest recommendation to people is to document in some way, yeah. like whatever, whether it's not, I wouldn't say just pictures, but like whether you do a little recording on your phone every day, just rehashing what you did and how it impacted you and like what you loved about that day or yeah. you journal, like I journaled throughout my whole entire trip beginning to end. That's the only thing I really stuck with. And even if I didn't do it every day, it was at least every like two days or three days max, I would take time to sit down and write everything out. And I'm so, so glad that I did. Like it's one of I'm so happy that I did that because I have this journal full of memories now and I can flip back to any page, which I've done, and just read yeah. what I did that day and I smile because it puts me <laughs> right back into that place, into that day, into right. whatever I was doing and I remember, and it's like the details of it. It's like, oh, I forgot that that happened, but like now I remember. So yes. I would say like that's my biggest piece of advice just document it in some way because pictures are great but like you you writing your own thoughts and stuff about that day or that experience is going to be so much more memorable right. for you so yeah document that, document document that's good I feel like you were speaking directly to me because it's always my goal to journal and I don't think I've done it successfully almost ever <laughs> out of all the traveling that I've done so that was really good and that really inspires me to journal because there are there's details you look back and you're like oh yeah when I was at that family party this person had the best smile I really like this beer or whatever and in a picture you're not going to remember that exactly yeah and it's 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 a really powerful way to just put you back into that place and if you're feeling like nostalgic and you just want to you know go back into that place for a little bit and yeah. you can just open up your journal and just read whatever entries and it's definitely, definitely recommend it. I have a little recommendation I'm going to throw in piggybacking off what you just said because this oh, is yeah. random but I just thought of it. The only journal I feel like that is successful that I've had from traveling is when I was dating this German guy when I lived in um, Chile for a year. And I didn't journal. He had a journal. I thought he was journaling for himself. So the whole year he was journaling things we were doing together or about his general experience. And he gave it to me as a gift at the end of the year. And it was like things we had done together or a couple days like he'd be sitting there like, you know, we were in the same country in almost the same city. So it was still the same feel like the weather would have been the same what's on the radio would have been the same and he'd be like you know I did this today and it reflected what was actually happening like current times there yeah. and he gave it to me at the end of the year so that's such a good gift if you're traveling with someone oh, like yeah. journal and then give it to them and I just it's one of the best things I think I've ever gotten and it was really sweet wow yeah that's incredible that's actually really amazing yeah, I, I'm. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Now that I think, I'm like, I need that one. 
who I could give one to or like that's it or for my next trip yeah that's a good yeah. idea yeah like especially if there's someone you meet and you you know I know you traveled with one or you know two people for a while even if you were with them for a week to a month I feel like that's a really good gift to give someone um yeah oh, so many memories <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad we talked about your trip, and I hope that after people are listening, they take the time to go look at your pictures and look at some of the stuff that you did. When do you think your website will be back up, just so people, this podcast episode won't actually be out for a little bit, um, because I'm sort of trying to, like, be more professional and, like, stock up on a few episodes, and then I'm kind of revamping the podcast, so it might be for a little bit. Do you think that your website will be up within a couple weeks, a month? No, it, it'll just, it'll be, like, this week. I, um, oh, okay. I actually took it back, I took, I had it up, and then I took it down, um, like, the last few days of my trip, just because I was going back and um, putting up new pictures, and, you know, wanted to just update different things, so since I'm working on that right now, and just adding a new, adding new blog posts and things like that, so, um, since I'm working on that now, and I have some time, it'll probably be up again by, like, the end of this week, okay. so I'd say probably by Friday, it'll probably be back up. So by the time this, people are listening to this episode, hopefully it will be up. Yes, and, and you can just go to it, it's in the link, and, like, once it's back up, it's in the link in my bio at Diani Travels. And you can just click on that, and it'll take you to the latest uh, latest podcast episode, <laughs> the latest, latest blog post that I have up, and you can look through the website from there. But yes, DianiTravels.com or DianiTravels on Instagram. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited, and thank you for telling me and people who are listening all about your trip, and your energy already seems so much different from when we first started talking, and you're like, <laughs> I'm so sad, and now I can see it on your face, you like, I feel like you. I've seen you watch a movie of your trip, and it takes you back to those moments and gives you a little bit of like, oh yeah, that actually happened, like, yeah, I you know, really like, even before we started recording, I'm just going to tell you now, like, I'm so, so glad that we spoke because, like I said, it, it helps so much to have your feelings validated and yeah. the fact that you'd, you know, could relate. And even when you said, like, I 100% understand what you're, like, even just that, yeah. like you saying, I understand, it's like... Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank Someone gets it. I'm not insane. Like, someone
<laughs> we all feel it, the culture shock of coming back home. I didn't think it was a real thing, because I had watched, I don't know if you know Living on a One Way, she has a, um, a YouTube channel, and I watched a lot of her before I left, and she posted a, a, a video about like reverse culture shock, and I'm yeah. like, okay, at the time I was like, <laughs> Yeah, but really? And yeah, she was kind of saying that too. She was like, I know it sounds insane, but it's real. And yeah. then I got back and I watched that video again. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you were like crying. Like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, oh my God. I, I didn't think this was real until I got back and actually experienced it. Yeah. And so it's real. It's <laughs> It's real. It's a thing. Maybe we should have like a support group on Facebook or something. <laughs> oh my god, but actually, oh, that gives me a really good idea, actually. I haven't posted in any of those Facebook groups in a while, and I posted in a lot of them, like women who travel and different ones before yeah. leaving, but I might post in one about that specifically, like asking if other people have experienced that, and that's just another form of like, you know, validation, because I know there are other women who have, so oh, just yeah. them you know, responding, saying, like, yeah, no, this is okay, like, you're gonna be okay. Yeah, um, <laughs> you're gonna be okay. <laughs> so I'm probably gonna do that, too. Actually, it's a good idea. Yeah, no, that's a good idea, and it would be a good time for me to mention, um, a little plug for myself, I'm, like, redoing my whole travel blog, and kind of just, like, revamping the podcast, um, and I have a travel group on Facebook. I think it has about maybe a hundred people in it. I should add you to it, but I'm going to redo yes, that. Please. Why was I not in it already? <laughs> because it's been so deactivated that like I haven't been posting in it. People do every once in a while, but it's meant to be this place where you could post about stuff like that or try to find someone to couch surf if you need it or post a recommendation or whatever. Um, and I'm trying to, course, I'm going to yeah. relaunch that again. So I will put that in the link in the bio too. And you should totally join. And I feel like that would oh, be a really good do. conversation. Yeah, I want to join and I want to write about this because I think Facebook groups are like one of the best communities because you find people just in your niche and in yeah. your area and you can just relate so much easier. That's it's a beautiful thing. So I would it definitely, is. definitely join that. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. Of course, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you, and yeah. I appreciate you allowing me to share my experience and my time. And I hope this helps someone. <laughs> I'm sure it's just will. entertaining to listen to. Either way, I hope some people enjoy it. Both. I think both. Make the world a better place by leaving things better than I found it. You know, whether it be people or the planet or, you know, all kinds of things. Isn't there a quote that says, feel fear and do it anyways? Yeah. 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 So I think for us insignificance, we have to do it ourselves. A lot of people are doing things in their life they're not completely happy with mm -hmm. and they're doing it just because you know it's a norm and they feel like they feel pressured by society Definitely. or they're just you know stuck in this rut mm -hmm. and you know ruts can be comfortable for people and they can be very comfortable comfort is not how you how you grow as a person <laughs>